0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Open Source Workplace weekly video podcast. Uh, I'm your host, my name is Steve Todd. I'm the global head of workplace at NASDAQ and I'm also the founder of Open Source Workplace. Open Source Workplace is a community for workplace professionals to come and share information and knowledge. And uh, go over to opensourceworkplace.com to to find out a little bit more. So what do we do in these uh, weekly video podcasts? We actually talk to industry leaders, industry uh, experts to really get their pulse on what is going on in the marketplace today and what are the key trends and what are the things that they're looking at. And today's no different. I'm gonna cut over to our agenda for today. And um, today we're gonna to talk about, uh, I hit Mondays on Fridays. So what does that mean? You know, we were, many things to talk about today, about the workplace, what's gonna be in the future, uh, the hybrid work model, but what does that really look like and how are people gonna to react to that? And today our guest is Andrew Mawson, he's the owner of Advanced Workplace Associates. He sent through to me a document yesterday that uh, he's going to be publishing today. And we'll put a link uh, down in the description below a little bit later. But uh, we're looking at teamwork models. Uh, He has four models that uh, AWA believe that people are going to work in going forward. What does that mean for office attendance post-COVID? Activity-based working and dynamic scheduling. What is that? How does that impact how office space is going to be used? And then also the following on for that, what is the impact to the environment of getting this right or getting this wrong so we're going to dig into that so before we do let's welcome in andrew andrew how are you doing sir
1: nice yeah good thank you nice to nice to be here and uh, chatting through this really exciting subject so looking forward to it
0: yeah no no thank you and uh, i'm looking forward to chatting with you it's i've you know you've been one of the persons that i go to regularly where we uh, we have a chat but all these things going on we've been discussing about this topic for a bit of time you know how do we how do we actually get to a hybrid workplace i think there's a lot of consensus that that's probably going to be the work model that we go through but there's a lot of nuances to that it's going to be different between different countries different industries and how do we sort of get around that profile. Um, and, and I think the other thing that sort of comes through is flexibility, right? Flexibility from an employee and employer perspective, we could argue if there's a different in perspective of how much flexibility an employer will give as to what to what an employee wants. And, uh, you know, just kicking that off, I mean, what, what, what do you think is sort of like, what do you think there's the differences between the flexibility an employer wants to provide an employee perhaps wants?
1: Well, I mean, I, I see in a lot of companies we're working with and um, talking to quite a bit of tension around this, actually, because I don't think there's any argument. Um, you know, people are looking for a greater level of flexibility in, in when and where they work. I mean, there can be no, you know, anybody around the planet cannot be you know, hidden from that reality of every, stu- every survey that we've been doing, every study that's been done, everything that's been in the public domain is saying the same thing. And it's been saying that for quite a long time, Steve. I mean, this is, not, this is not new news for us. You know, we've known for quite a long time through the studies that we do that, you know, increasing numbers of people want the ability to work at different locations and different times. So that side of the equation is, you know, almost, um, you know, unarguable. They all get the the, the um, comfort that organisations have in allowing that is, is probably one of the more difficult things, and um, and even inside companies there are you know there are different people who have different views about this. You know, I mean, I think we shouldn't underestimate the um, you know the sort of glue I think that exists within organisations to simply go back to the old world because. It was safe. A lot of companies, you know, did okay during that period. A lot of leaders, particularly those ones in power, know how to operate in that world, and um, you know, managing a community of people who are not always around within your eyeshot requires a new set of understandings and a new set of skills. So, you know, a lot of senior leaders who are fairly ingrained in the way they look at the world. Um, simply either can't see the need to do that or they just don't want to. And so the, the power in organisations is often in the, the hands of people who might not necessarily wish to embrace this, um, this brave new world, which, which would be a terrible uh, shame because there are so many things to, that we've learned over the last 9, 12 months about what the possibilities are um, that It would be a shame if if organizations weren't able to embrace these new things and, and make the most of them. Um, so, yeah, that tension is definitely there. And whatever
0: I mean, you mean, obviously, you provide guidance to a lot of organizations, senior leaders. Cool. Um, what are some of the, the, the sort of key things that you think that they're trying to get their minds around? What is the comfort that you're trying to get them from and to, right? Because that's a journey, right? <sighs>
1: Well, I mean, I th- you know, it, I wish it, I wish it was, I wish there was one answer to that question. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's all down to individuals. You know, individuals have different levels of um, comfort with these ideas, different um, vantage points, different wins and losses uh, in the game. I mean, I think fundamentally, though, I think what we're trying to do is encourage people to and organisations to 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 look at the idea of making everybody capable of operating in a virtual world that doesn't mean to say that we want everybody to work at home <clears throat> but what it means is if we can give everybody the competence comfort confidence and skills and technology to be able to operate anywhere and for leaders to be able to team that work with teams and lead teams to work anywhere then it gives us a lot of opportunities. I mean, it means when we've got to that point, you know, we're all working the same way. We aren't dominated by some notion that the office is the only place to go and, you know, there's a bunch of people who go there and everybody else are weird. You know, we we actually move our policies and practices and everything to the point where they recognise the ability for people to work anywhere. And in doing so, we then have the freedom to be able to use space and buildings, as we believe, is necessary to add value. And I mean, I think one of the most intriguing things uh, that that we've seen during this sector is some organisations are doing remarkably well without offices at all. I mean, I, I you know I know uh, I know a number of companies in the insurance sector, for instance, that are you know having great years. I mean, they, they they're absolutely great years, and their profitability is fantastic. Their business travellers drop like a stone. Um, you know their their offices are empty, so they're not cooling them or lighting them. You know, I mean, it, it, it's you know it's, it's becoming pretty difficult to justify uh, having offices where people attend every day. Uh, notionally, it just it just is becoming very difficult in some industries to justify that, and uh, unless there is real value associated with it. I mean it's interesting, we also do quite a, a lot of work in the in the professional services sector where um, you know there is actually you know in the work that people are doing, some of it is very, you know, focused and, and researchy and, and but some of it is very complex where you need people together. So there you can see there is a need to bring people to a central location to work on the really tough stuff. Also, you know, to try and help more junior people become more kind of connected to the organization. Although, you know, arguably there are better ways to do that as well. So I think the, the people are going to start looking at buildings from the standpoint of what does bringing people together in one location do for us in real value terms, as opposed to just assuming that, you know, we're in business, so we need a building and everybody needs to come. And I think that's, the, that's really where the default, Is now switched to and you know i think a lot of companies the default will move to we work away we have the right we give people the right to work wherever they want to we train them we guide them whatever and we bring them together when we need to so the you you flip the default position uh now i get that that is an uncomfortable position for some leaders i also get that it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people in the world of real estate architecture design and so on whose businesses are wedded to the idea that companies need space and the the more they have the more those companies will be successful and we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that the lens through which some of those companies see the world and express themselves uh, is you know is underpinned by that as a notion but i'm afraid that the you know the, the general movement is not about presenteeism, the general movement is about virtuality, and using physical assets like buildings, which, let's face it, are very expensive, generate lots of carbon, and, and are largely underutilized, even in the old world. Um, you know, we want to be thinking about those in a different way, and um, and I think it's a you know it's a great time to do that.
0: Yeah, there's a few threads I'd love to pull on, but I do want to go into some of the working models that you've identified. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, different team models, and you know, we talk about a hybrid yeah. work, but actually, you've identified yeah. four elements to that. Yeah. What team structures could be? Could you could you walk yeah. us through some of your thinking there?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think universally everybody's talking about a, a, a sort of a hybrid world where um, you know we're in the office two to three days a week. Well, I think that might work out to be the average. Right, but it's this, this talking of averages hides a multitude of different options. And I think what we see is that you know, there are probably four dominant models that you know that that will have to coexist. And these are at a team level. So you may find a team, for instance that you know, in the old world came to the office every day, but actually have learned over the last twelve months how to work very well together. They've got a very supportive leader, the work that they do supports them working away. And those guys, I think, are going to continue to work at home. And they will maybe come into the office once, you know, once in a a while to see a client or a partner or do something that's, that's tricky. And it might even be that in that team, you know, say team of 10, it might be that one or two people, you know, decide that they do need to come in to the office every day because they don't actually have the home facilities to enable them to work uh, in an effective way. But the predominant sort of um, ethos around the team will be we work away and we come in once in a while. So that's kind of one model. The second model is is pretty much the same. The only difference is that the team recognize that they really do want to be together uh, every so often, possibly to deal with tricky things to fuse their their knowledge or just from a social standpoint. So we might see teams saying, well, look, we can work away and we just want to be in the office one day a week or we want to be in the office, you know, uh, the second Tuesday of every month or something. And I think we, we're seeing that model in the IT industry, I think, quite, quite a lot with programmers and, and people like that. So that's kind of the second model. The third model moves across more to the office, which is where we basically... St- we go back to a kind of a, a, sort of office centricity, where you know the possibly the heart of the team is in the office every day, but there's a recognition, maybe begrudgingly, that um, people want to have some more flexibility and they can work away and they can do all the things they do. And then there's the fourth group, which is really where we're talking about um, the office being the place where people go every day and they go over there every day because they maybe there's a belief that this sort of always on serendipity has huge value or maybe it will be that there's a regulatory situation that um you know that that demands it kind of thing so um th- those are the four scenarios and, and and you know we think that one of the things that uh, teams should be doing in the coming weeks is is thinking about and talking about which one of those models that they they, they go for now looking at for that from a space standpoint, I mean, all these are going to coexist. So, you know, companies won't be dominated by one or the other in my mind. Um, and so as a consequence of that, what you're going to find is that, um, you know, if you operate your buildings in a traditional model, um, you know, you're going to have maybe a team that's office-based next to a team that's office-centric next to a team that's a home hybrid next to a team that's home-centric. You're going to find very quickly that you know your buildings are empty because in if you allocate space off, yeah. yeah i
0: don't want I don't mean to cut you off but i know we're going to get to that i have some questions on this though andrew sure, in sure, essence sure. you know is as somebody who you know runs workplace and who really wants to understand who falls into these categories oh. what do you think is the best way to get to the root to understand that this is is this a survey to employees is this a survey with leadership or how do you get to that
1: well, what we've been doing over the last uh, nine months, Steve, is, is looking at this through four different um, views, but the, the two that are most important in this context are, you know, first a survey which drills down into the, you know, the real experiences and intentions of people post-COVID. Um, and the, and then the second is an analysis of each uh, role, really, to establish the truth about what it's, you know, what it what it really needs. Whether, whether it really needs from a business perspective some level of central uh, you know coming together as it were. Mm-hmm. but I mean I think so so that's how we've been doing it from an analytical standpoint. but I actually think you know as we as we nudge forward now as the as as you know we start to see the lights come on again in the world uh, generally, that actually leaders should be having conversations with their teams, right you know, open conversations with teams as to how they want to work in the future and, and which of these four models appears to be most appropriate to them at a particular time. And, of course, you've got to take into account the needs of the business and the needs of the individuals. And um, uh, and it's going to require some, you know, some skill in having those conversations. But it seems to me that's probably the way the way forward, really. That's, yeah. that, that's how we would do it
0: yeah and and sorry, i know i cut you off so i do want to go because obviously we take <laughs> okay. we overlay it into a building and you put together a very nice graphic that basically represents all those elements mm. by the different teams and then what that means for the mm. office and this is like visually it, it i think most people attest this is what they kind of we kind of expect attendance to be yeah um yeah yeah, yeah you- i
1: think so i mean know this this i mean we've oversimplified this you know just just for effect but i mean if you take the ground floor here in this in this uh you know picture what we've got is you know a traditional model of working where on a a monday and a friday occupancy is relatively low and then tuesday wednesday thursday it's reasonably high but even in the old world when occupancy was high the space was only occupied 60 percent of the time um, you know, as you move up, you know, you sort of see on the next floor, we've just put office um, centric, uh, you know, and, and, and again, you're going to see the same kind of patterns, but at a lower level of intensity because some of the people are going to be working away more. But as you go further, you know, if you take the home hybrid model, which is the one where people come in one day a week, well, you're going to see, say, a Wednesday or a Tuesday or a Thursday or whatever, that's going to be probably the chosen day for them to, to come in. And you know that's fine. And the rest of the time it's going to be pretty, pretty underused. And then the the, the top floor is showing what happens with the home centre. Really, a trickle. So you this is like as I say, this is oversimplistic. But I mean, what you can see from this is that if people have more flexibility, they're likely to choose Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday as their days in the office, making Mondays and Fridays. Um, you know, even, even, even worse utilized than than they were before yeah. unless it, unless we manage it kind of thing and if you imagine instead of thinking about it simplistically like this if you imagine uh, a building in which different teams with these different styles and everything are next to each other within floors and stuff what well, you're going to see like a sort of a you know um a swiss cheese effect you know you and i just don't think that's a great thing from the standpoint of buzz and energy and certainly not a great idea from a space utilization or carbon um, perspective so you know that that i think is if we don't actually manage this that's i think what's going to happen you
0: know And, and i think while while you say it's simplistic i think it does illustrate you know that there is risk that there will be you know neighborhoods of islands right where islands where individuals are sitting they're coming in those days that they, they're sitting there by themselves and then it's kind of like well, oh. oh, why do i bother if i'm sitting here by myself but one of the other things that's sort of gone through my head i'm curious to know what you're seeing in your research do you oh. think the travel distance that an employee has to make to an office will greatly impact how often they come to the office irrespective of sort of what what sort of uh, category they would fall into typically off for their team?
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, I do think that, Steve. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting. I don't know whether you're seeing this in New York. I think you probably are, actually. But what we're seeing here is a bit of a property boom in locations around, uh, you know, London, where people have sort of decided that, you know, there is no reason why they need to live so close to the centre. And they're cashing in their chips and they're moving out to places that are maybe an hour, an hour and a half commute into you know, into the office. Or even further, in the knowledge that they will be able to come into the office maybe once, once or twice a week in the future. Or, or the other thing that I don't think anybody's talking about right now is the um, is the business of what I'm, I guess we would call time slicing. So the idea that you do some of your work, you know, before you come in in the morning, so you maybe you know put your commute off till about ten o'clock or something. And and you and and you work at home. You do all the things you can do diligently there, and then you come into the office and you do all the things that are, are most valuable there. And again, avoiding the the commute, avoiding the peaks, you know. And maybe we maybe we're looking at a world where we can actually smooth out some of the, the you know, the travel peaks as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that that world is for sure here. I mean, and as the days go by and as technology becomes more and more, um, uh, powerful and cheap and eco- economically available, I can't see any reason why that trend would shift. You
0: know? No, I, I, I agree. And as someone who, who did travel and does travel, I totally, uh, I'm in line with you in a sense that uh, I I look at sort of my early mornings and how much work I get through. And if I had the ability or flexibility to go in that little bit later, and I typically do, I work from home pre-COVID, you know, a couple of days a week. So I did fall into that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, where I went into the office. And uh, that's when our team was in most of the time as well. So um, I can sort of see this. Now, obviously, we lay this out, we look at it from a floor plan, we look from an occupancy perspective, there's a lot of Un- underutilized space so oh. you have taken it forward and you have put it through a suggestion um, of oh. a way to address some of this where obviously we're able to uh, reduce the actual footprint it needs to be occupied and, and you sort of what you're proposing is the use of activity-based working and dynamic scheduling so let's first off start with this for those who may not be fully aware of what activity-based working is Andrew what 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 is that
1: sure well activity-based work. I mean in a day's work a lot of people do very different things and uh you know what activity-based working is just a recognition of that and you know the idea is basically that we create a range of different sorts of space around a floor a floor plan um, and what what we're able to do is is you know design that those different spaces on the basis of the needs of the occupants that are in there in an ideal world which is we make that quite flexible so we can change it depending on the nature of how the occupying teams are are working but that's the idea and the idea is that people are mobile within the workplace and they go and work in different parts of the floor to do different things so optimizing their their ability to be effective and you know this idea is often gets very confused uh you know because people oh that's hot desking well it's not hot desking hot desking is a rather nasty um application of open plan free address working which doesn't recognize that people you know are in need of these different things this is about taking advantage of the mobility that technology gives us but giving people all of the things they need in a day's work to be the best they can be so it it necessarily means that there is a sort of departure from the notion of ownership um, for some people and that I think has been one of the the challenges, and certainly in, in certain parts of the world, this, uh, this linkage about, you know, between the individual's personal persona and how they're viewed by the world and the physical artifacts that are granted to them in the organization. In some organizations, that's, you know, there's a, there's a kind of, there's a linkage. So people will say, well, if I don't own my own desk or I don't own my own office, what will people think of me? Mm. what well, well, I think of myself. Well, I, you know, my, my, my feeling is that I'm I'm no longer the person I was. I'm I'm, you know, I'm I'm sort of devoid of some of the things that made me who I think I am. And that's one of the biggest challenges with this uh, this transition, particularly for senior, particular for secu- particularly for senior leaders. But the idea makes huge amounts of sense because a it gives people what they need, but also it, it enables us to use space in a much more efficient way mm. you know in the old world most buildings most most desks in most buildings were only really occupied sort of 55 percent of the time that they were available and they were only available let's face it you know five days a week and between probably eight o'clock in the morning and seven o'clock in the evening so from an asset utilization standpoint really poor mm. so you know i think there's you know th- there's ways we can um make this this whole thing work a lot better, but we have to kind of throw away some of our our old models of the world. and that, of course, is the the, the tricky bit and how why people need you know support with change, really, yeah. Steve?
0: No, no, absolutely. In the second element of this, you talk about dynamic scheduling. what 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 um, is that?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because in this new world, we see the likely demand profile uh, for space being very different each day. I mean you can sort of see from the previous model that we we talked about you know there are going to be different teams in on different days and in an ideal world what you want to be able to do is to consolidate all of that occupancy into a, a couple of floors so instead of having you know the picture at the top of the screen here where you've got a number of different floors that really are very poorly occupied what you want to be doing is managing your occupancy so that actually you consolidate that on say two floors, and the way that you do that, I think, is you know there there are some practical ways you can do it. Mondays and Fridays, you need to be thinking about. Well, can we make those anchor days for particular teams? Do we do things on those Mondays and Fridays that act as a kind of magnet for people? Celebrity chefs, free drinks, whatever it is, that just make it more palatable to to come in on a Monday or Friday. But the other but the other thing I think that's really interesting is the notion of dynamic scheduling. And this the, the idea here is that through an app, uh, basically what you're able to do is to, is, is to articulate your needs. So I don't mean that you book. I mean, you say on Monday or on Wednesday, I'm going to want to be in. And in order to be in and be effective, I'm going to want uh, to be close to a meeting room or close to this person or that person. And basically what the system does, of course, you know, hundreds or thousands of people could be doing the same thing and putting their their needs in for the week. And what the system does, it basically says, well, you know, you're Steve Todd. Steve Todd needs usually to be close to, you know, his co-mate, his co-working friends and so we'll all put them together and that group always needs to be close to a particular set of meeting rooms or close to a particular de- other department so what it does every night it looks at the demand profile and it looks at the supply and using artificial intelligence it basically you know does a a rejig every night and every and when you turn up in the morning you look at a big screen or you look at your app and it says well yeah andrew Morse, yeah you're today you're on the third floor Uh, in the on the on the left wing Uh, and you go then you find that you have all pretty much the things you need your colleagues are there you people you need to interact with are there and and you know you might go in the following day and because the profile has changed completely you might find yourself on the first floor you know on on the on the west wing and but again what the system is trying to do is to get you all the things you need in order to be effective um, but in the process, what it helps us to do is optimize the use of the space and possibly even close down certain floors so that we're not generating mm. carbon. We're not, you know, we're not cooling those floors and we're not uh, we're not lighting them. So, um, you know, I think using technology to do this. And, and if you if you push that even further and you start using sensors, you know, within the space, well, you know, you will know what the temperature is at each desk and the humidity level and the noise level and all of this. And if you poll people after their experience, you can find out how good it was. Mm-hmm. So you always know that Steve Todd requires a temperature of, you know, seems to be happy with the temperature of such and such. And, and, and he always requires to be in a, a space that has a bit of buzz about it. So, you know, you can begin to, to build up quite an intelligent picture um, about you know steve todd's needs and you can start factoring those into the overall um, mix when you're when you when your system is doing its calculations every night and so i, I think you know it sounds a bit far fetched uh, to some people this idea but you know i think increasingly as once we start to you know um, sort of part company with the with the past i see no reason why this this sort of idea couldn't work um
0: yeah, no, I have to confess the the work that the uh, workplace analytical tools and software development tools that sort of the acceleration of that over the last 12 months has been tremendous. You know, mm-hmm. with the innovation, how they're operating, the way they're looking and building a lot of this functionality, a lot of it's in its infancy, but you see the oh. direction where it's going and what the capabilities are going to be in another six to 12 months. It's going to be phenomenal. And, you know, I have to take a hat off to a lot of a lot of those uh, organizations that have done tremendously well. Um, And obviously, you know, we look at this and we we talked about the emissions and we we can sort of come to that because there is obviously a huge opportunity here. but I think we have to stress as well, Andrew, that this isn't just a workplace or workplace design or a real estate, um, you know, rejig or redesign or new furniture going in. Right, this is a whole process. It's the way organisation is structured, how it works, how it connects with each other, and there are a lot of well, further elements that, you know, while we're depicting a very simplistic structure here you know you've told me about it It, it's it's not easy it's not straightforward and it's complex so we have to sort of mention that and you know to your point whenever we look at the the floor plans the two the two floor plans that are now empty or or two floors that are empty that's the opportunity that we can sort of contribute to the environment right
1: yeah i think so i mean you know i think going forward environmentally You know, there are lots of things, actually, you know, we we don't fully recognise in terms of work in the workplace and the contribution it makes. I mean, offices are big generators of carbon, no argument. Um, Commuting is another big source of carbon. Um, You know, business travel uh, is is massive, actually. And, you know, I think in the new world, all of these things, we should be thinking about them very carefully. I mean, I, I know, you know, I mentioned, you know, a couple of companies I know, that have been doing exceptionally well one of the reasons why they've been doing exceptionally well is they're not spending any money on transatlantic um you know flights mm-hmm. yet they're still being able to operate effectively now i'm i'm not somebody who thinks that we don't need physical travel, we don't need to travel and i don't buy that at all but I, but but i think what we've learned is we need a, we can manage with a lot less of it and um and i think that's that's what we have to do as we go forward, that's what companies should be doing as they go forward. Is thinking, you know, how can they learn from this? How can they draw a line in the sand in terms of the old world and start looking at, you know, the evolution yeah. to the kind of models that we are we are talking about? Because this is this isn't going away, Steve. I mean, you know, if you you and I will be sitting here in ten years' time and looking back at uh, at how people operated, uh, you know, in in you know just after the sort of you know 2010 to 20 and we'll we'll chuckle about it we'll go oh, that was ridiculous doing all that uh, you know i i really think this is a time for change
0: it is so You I mean you, you think about those companies that are doing successfully well um do you think if they adopted this model that you're talking about where there is this four segments of their organization and if they get that right there is the ability to either enhance and go further than they did in this work environment where everyone's working at home. Do you think that's the real opportunity? Headphones come. Well, oh, I think
1: so. I mean, I think you know, because I think we did, you know, we have lost some things during this period. We've learned a lot and we've lost some things and the opportunity now is for us to, you know, to, to, to reflect intelligently on both of those worlds and to put them together to create something which is better than the old and, uh, and enables us to be very effective going forward. Um, no, I mean I think this is this is exactly the time to be doing that, uh, and you know I think some companies, I mean you know some companies are being quite strident and making changes right now and being very forceful about it, which is fine, but other companies are saying, well, hmm, not sure. You know, all these surveys, this is during they were done during a time of uh, tension, and will people really work this way when we come out of all this, or will this be just? Um, you know, will snap back into it. So some companies are being actually quite cautious, um, you know, and wanting to wait and see what happens when when we move back. And I think that's I think that's okay, but the, the advice I would give them is make sure you have invested in technology that allows you to understand what's going on because you will need to uh, you will need the evidence. Um, you know, as you move, you know, if you eventually do move, um, you know, you'll need that evidence. the The danger, I think, that companies have, they're not careful, is that they just instantly slip back, and then trying to make that further shift becomes much more difficult. This is the time for change. People understand that the world is changing. Now is the time to make change if you're going to make it. But there are plenty of reasons why why senior leaders will that will will put up um, for for not doing it. Mm. And um, you know. Those who those who want to bring about change in organisations need to need to act now. I think, uh, but the, it, like I say, this is almost like an inevitability. This isn't you know, this whatever goes on at this point, you know, is only a temporary. This is like water; it's finding its way, and uh, you know, this whole movement towards the environment and and you know, more interested in human performance well being all these things they're not going away and um, companies that just sort of shrug their shoulders and you know carry on and you know hope it's all going to go away it's not going to go it's it's, it's you know it's a long term trend i think
0: no, I suspect you're right, and I think you're right, and uh, I agree with you in the patience, patience. are in making decisions, rushing into things, collecting data. You know, make that investment today, not necessarily making the investment to reach. You know, re- redesign all your offices. It's like let's let's do it in a very uh, analytical way, um, and uh, you know, information database way. So I think that's the, I think that's the key. I think there are all elements that. Uh, You know, we'll wait and see what happens. Um, I'm really curious to see how things transpire. Um, I think it's going to be a fascinating study, and I'm sure you and AWA will uh, will continue to watch, observe, and and sort of uh, provide us with updates and guidance on that. So, Andrew, any final thoughts before we uh, we wrap up today?
1: Um, Well, we covered a lot of ground uh, today. So, I mean, my only final thought really is, you know, this is a time of change, and anybody who has a change agenda um you know needs to be thinking about how they can you know draw those who have a consistent um you know motivation uh to to do that and um, because there are you know organizations are a mix huge mix of people some who want to bring about change some who absolutely don't want change and some people who will if given the right opportunities and the right arguments will change and um you know, it's a question of, you know, liberating those people who have that desire. I think, and and now is a, now is a good time to be doing that.
0: Great, great. Thank you, Andrew. And uh, we'll put links to uh, obviously the study that you have provided, um, and also I have put links where people can connect with you, Andrew and AWA. So, uh, so look, thank you as always. It's always a pleasure chatting Roger. with you. It's always great digging <laughs> into your mind and understanding and pulling out what you're learning. So, so I thank you for your time today, man.
1: Thank you nice nice to see you again